All right. <clears throat> so um, Betty and I, when Betty and I were eh, a couple, married a couple years, we went to celebrate Christmas at my mom's family's house. Uh, that would that was the kindreds, grandma kindred, grandma and grandpa. And per normal Christmas stuff, we circled up and passed out gifts. And that particular Christmas, we everybody unwrapped one gift at a time. Not that we went around like this, meaning everyone opened one gift at the same time. Um, we've done it different ways, but when you got little kids that are impatient, they want to get going. So we did the one gift, and so I, I don't remember what I got. I, I tried to remember, but it was so long ago, I don't remember. Um, Betty unwrapped her gift, looked at it, and it was one of those handheld vacuum things, a red one. And she thought, oh, well, this isn't what I was wanting. We already got one. And so she just kind of set it down a little disappointed. Um, and then we kept going and unwrapping other gifts and things like that. And then as that was wrapping up, Grandma Kindred, that gift was from Grandma Kindred, by the way. Grandma Kindred asked Betty, well, how would you like the baking pans? Grandma, I didn't get any baking pans. Well, I gave you baking pans. And then she, no, all I got was this handheld shop vac or, you know, vacuum cleaner. And Grandma kind of giggled and said, you better look in the box. So she unboxed it, and inside were the baking pans. Grandma had notoriously repurposed the box. So we kind of sometimes do the same thing with God's gifts. We assume that we know what's in the box. We've got these labels, and we, got, we kind of understand. We think we know what God's intentions are. And, but I think sometimes God's purpose is different than what we think. So my purpose this morning, my intention this morning, is to look inside the box of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in one in particular. So I know that Chris did a good job praying, but I always pray at this point because it's a good segue, and I think we need to give it up. So... Um, so pray with me for a second. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. Uh, Father, we do pray, come Holy Spirit, just illuminate things to us this morning that maybe we've heard forever and there's something new we can grab, or maybe this is brand new and, and we need to grab onto something there. And Lord, we just open ourselves up to you and we say, yes, come and show us what we need, to, what we need for right now and in this time and in this place. And Lord, thank you for your word and everything it tells us. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so just like we just sang about God being a good father, the first thing we need to understand is that God gives good gifts. Um, Jesus underlined that truth in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew uh, 7, and it's verses 7 to 11, and I believe it's up, up there, Jesus taught this. He said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So our very first principle is God is a giver of good gifts. Um, they're a, a proper gifts. They're appropriately timed gifts to his children. Now, as we look at the various gifts that he gives, the best gift of all, the A number one, 
top of the top of the chart list is our new life in Christ. That is a gift in receiving Christ. We gain so much eternal life with God, forgiveness, grace, love, peace, and a lot more. Uh, that could be a whole sermon in and of itself, right? So there's a lot there. The second or the next best gift is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, to understand this one, at the conclusion of Peter's Pentecost sermon, Peter replied, the men, everybody there had said, well, what do we do next? I don't understand. You know, they heard his sermon and they wanted to respond and they asked Peter, what do we do next? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's at this point in this verse, we want to distinguish between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because through Christ, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. He himself is a gift. Um, and it's a multifaceted gift because you have the whole ruach, the, the breath, and the paraclete, which means comforter. The advocate is another title that the Holy Spirit is given. And also the giver of gifts. So not only do we receive Christ, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit, but we also receive the gifts that he gives. Now, at this point, we start talking about gifts. People start to worry that things are going to get really weird. Been there? Understand that. And in the sweep of church history, there have been times when the focus was on the gifts of the Spirit and not on the purpose for those gifts. The gifts, and yeah, the gift has been misused to presume a standing with God. They have been abused to the point at times of idolatry. And they've also been shunned out of fear. So my point is, we're not going to be weird, but we're going to be purposeful. We're going to understand what God is doing. We're going to open the box and see what's really inside. Because when you really look at it, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like tools. And the Holy Spirit is a master of giving the right gift to the right person for the right purpose, at the right time, if we'll just open up the box and ask and receive. Now, the Apostle Paul gave what you could call a master class in the spiritual gifts, and that runs from 1 Corinthians 12, the very first verse, all the way through the end of chapter 14. We're not reading the whole thing today, so I invite you sometime to read it together and to put it all together. I believe that all, even though we parse those out at times, famously 13 talks about love, and sometimes we'll split that out, but you really need to put them all together to get a really good grasp of what Paul was teaching the Corinthian church and us. <clears throat> so beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, uh, Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware other translations say ignorant. He doesn't want us to be unaware or ignorant of what these gifts are and what they're for. Uh, moving to verse 4, Paul continues, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. 
There are a variety of gifts and ministries and activities. Now, Paul provides several lists. Uh, There's one list that immediately follows the verses we just read, beginning um, in verse 8. So 12, verse 8, there's a a list. Uh, There's another list in Romans 12, 6 to 8, and another list in, again, in chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. Again, we're not going to spend the time to read all the different things and to put those all together. What we need to understand is the Holy Spirit gives a lot of different gifts. But in, when they mix, are mixed together, they create a kind of amazing diversity. And the way I want to under, you to understand this is consider the screen. Good timing, April. <laughs> we worked on this earlier. So if you look at the monitor that's in the back or if you look at your handheld device, whatever you're using to view the, the message today, even though you perceive, I don't know how many colors are up there, technically those monitors can do easily a million or more different kinds of shades of color, right? But if you really look at those screens super closely, you'll see that all the colors are red, green, and blue in various shades of red, green, and blue. Different intensities mixed together create millions and millions of colors. And the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts are kind of like that, where, yeah, there's a kind of short list of what they are, but when you start mixing them and the Holy Spirit does his thing, they come out in so many different ways that it's amazing. They are unique to the person, to the moment, and also for what Paul calls the common good. The other thing to remember is while there are what, what you could call office gifts, and those are listed as apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that doesn't mean that the apostles are the only sent ones or that the prophets are the only ones who prophesy or that only the pastors pastors. Um, now, those are folks whose gifts shine a little clearer, like pure red, pure green, pure blue. But in reality, it's everyone together doing these things in different ways and in different times. See, this kind of all goes back to that idea that we're all involved was, during, it was part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. It is the, actually the promise. It was a prophecy of the, of the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Peter brought it forward. I'm going to read from the Joel scripture, which is chapter 2, 28 and 29. After this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. Nobody was excluded from this event. From the, there wasn't haves and haves nots. If we belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us and the Holy Spirit empowers us and gifts us in a lot of different ways, a diverse amount of ways. But I'll also say that in Paul's master class, and I mentioned it earlier, he does provide some guardrails for the spiritual gifts. And he reminds us in chapter 13 that faith, hope, and love will remain long beyond the needs of the gifts. And that the greatest of these is love. I know that gets read at a wedding a lot, But in reality, it's the guardrails for how the church operates in the Spirit and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
There will be a time when the gifts are no longer needed. Paul's real clear on that. And you may, over the years, have heard teaching somewhere along the line that we're in that time. And, but I, I've had these discussions for ages, uh, and I don't find that to be experientially true from what, my, what I've seen, or actually even biblically true. And just to, just to put it where we're at, here at the vineyard, we hold that the gifts of the Spirit continue to be given. Otherwise, why are we talking about them today, right? Okay. But we're not going to take the time this morning to rehash the old arguments. Um, If you want, I'd love to have that conversation. I've had it many times before. I'd love to hear what other people thought, and I can kind of go through how I see things as well. But not today. I've had those talks. And I think that we've got other things that we need to focus on. But love to talk to you if you want to know more. But Paul's really clear. Spiritual gifts without love are basically useless. They're an indistinct sound, a clanging symbol that has no place. And sometimes spiritual gifts without love may even be destructive. And yet Paul, immediately talking through all of this stuff in chapter 13 about faith, hope, and love, he says this. We often break this because this is beginning of 14 And we end, stop reading at 13, and then we don't continue it on. But Paul's thought was continuous. Paul says this in 14.1, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Pursue means to run after something with an intense effort and a definitive, defined purpose. We run after love, and to earnestly desire something is the same as being zealous with a Z, not with a J, okay? Sometimes those words get confused, but zealous for something, a burning desire that won't go away. So we, we pursue love, we run after it, but yet we still also desire spiritual gifts. So let's get it right. Love is our aim and our goal. Our focus, on, that's what Jesus, that's our focus on Jesus, and that's the love that comes through it. You read the Bible, you get oh, that whole understanding Love is our aim, our goal, and our focus. And as we run towards that goal, it's hard to put in words because the first word that came to mind is we welcome. We welcome the gifts of the Spirit, but yet that's not quite the same as desire or earnestly desire. And then I thought, well, maybe it's invite because we do invite the Holy Spirit a lot, right? That's kind of one of the things we do. But that's still not quite strong enough. And the closest thing I could come up with is I thought about this and prayed about it was hunger. We hunger after the gifts of the Spirit. And it's amazing the synergy when those two things are brought together, the pursuing of love, the pursuing of Christ, and desiring what the Spirit has, the empowerment, the power, the ability, the the impact that that has is amazing. I don't know how to else to paint it larger. It's gigantic. So in the pursuit of love, the verse that we just read, Paul emphasizes and lifts up prophecy out of all the other spiritual gifts. So we're, this morning we're going to spend the rest of the time, instead of talking about spiritual gifts in general, we're, going to, we're just going to look at that gift of prophecy for the remainder of our time together. So we're going to, let's just blow away some of those mists of confusion 
and doubt about prophecy. It's easy, you see, to confuse the Old Testament prophetic utterances that foretold future events and leveled grand judgments against nations with New Testament prophecy. And there's, it, Paul kind of explains it a little bit. Now, we're going to read 14, 2 to 4. It talks about another spiritual gift, which is tongues, and he compares the two. Paul, Paul says, For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, we're going to key in on that phrase, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and consolation. But we've got to kind of back up a little bit, because what, after all, is prophecy? We have all kinds of ideas of what it could be. But to put it really super simple, it is speaking words of divine origin. It's what we hear God speak. And of all the various spiritual, the various gifts of the Spirit, I believe and have kind of seen that this gift is probably the most accessible one for everyone, no matter where you're at on these different continuums. This work, it could be, now the Word of God, the Word we hear, the, that prophetic moment, so to speak, at the, as we're going to kind of envision it. It could be a word of knowledge. You've maybe heard that phrase, but basically a bit of knowledge. So maybe something you don't know or something that you'd forgotten that just kind of gets brought back up. could be a bit of wisdom that is needed for the moment that God is, again, bubbling up. It could be a scripture verse. It could be a picture or an image. Many of the Old Testament prophets saw images of things. Um, it could be a spiritual nudge or a prompting, not even necessarily words, but just a go look this way, like, the, like all of a sudden there's a spotlight over here that the Holy Spirit's shining. And believe it or not, it could even be silence. There are times when God says, hush, just be silent and listen. Hear what I'm saying. But whatever it is, when we practice it, and what Paul is saying, it needs to be a word that is given to strengthen, encourage, or console one another. Those three things. Now, if we look at it in a grand sense, there's really two kinds of ways that this flows out. One being the one that probably comes to mind the quickest is the corporate kind. When someone steps out of their place and comes forward or maybe where they're at and speaks a word to all of those gathered. That could be and should be, to be honest, embedded in the sermon. I'm hoping that there is God speaking to you through the words that I'm speaking. It could be and should be and probably is the worship set and the way God uses music and the poetry that is there and how those things are constructed and offered and given there's a spiritual component to all that that is part of the gift of prophecy. And in public prayer, in addition to all of those, I have a word moment. Now, the second type, which I think is probably the most common if we were going off of a 
qualitative analysis. The second type is a personal kind. It's offered or spoken to an individual, most often when we're praying for one another. And it's a really viewable and direct demonstration of love and spiritual gifts operating together in tandem in a very powerful way. And that's kind of been my experience as well. I rarely have something to offer or I've rarely given something to offer when we pause in a service to hear from the Lord, so to speak, okay, to put that in quotes. It could be a lot of different ways that that's phrased. I know that some folks are receive that easier or more, rap, more readily. Again, it comes down to the diversity. But in my experience, it's very common to be given that gift while praying with people, especially praying when we're talking about the deep things um, and we're spending time with folks. And in that sacred moment, those words often deeply confirm God's love for them or open up a locked door to a new spiritual insight. I can't tell you how many times that uh, in a team prayer situation where we've been two of us or more, maybe two or three or more, no more than about two or three, and a person, and we've been praying, focusing on that person, and God drops nuggets in your soul about what's going on or how to pray or maybe a picture or something we don't understand or whatever. And there's been a lot of those, and I can't go into detail on them. That would take too much time, too. Um, just know that it happens. And it's not unique to me. I think it happens a lot when we pray for folks if we'll listen. So when we pull this all together, we understand that most of the gifts of the Holy Spirit really aren't aimed at us. We receive them, we receive the gift to give it away. We receive the gift to help other people, not receiving to get something. And that's been one of the flaws, I think, that as people have discovered the gifts of the Spirit over time, that they've seen it as a way that it, it's for them, but it's not. It's, it's for others, and that's, what it's, that's when it's best. The Spirit doesn't give us gifts to prove how cool we are or how righteous we are or how important we are in God's estimation. Look what I can do. He gives us gifts to serve the needs of others. Now, as Paul noted, there is one exception to that, that kind of overall phrase, and that is the praying and speaking in tongues which builds up the speaker. So it's not, there's not that there's not that. It's just that primarily it goes the other way. Since that is the most accessible and common gift, is speaking what we sense God saying, we're going to spend a couple minutes just getting practical, just some easy practical stuff. How do we know it's God speaking and not the pepperoni pizza we ate last night? I never have understood why pepperoni pizza gets a bad rap and always gets blamed for people saying things they shouldn't. I don't get that. But anyway, here are some guidelines. Maybe for you it's chocolate chip cookies or something. I don't know. The first suggestion or practical thing is what I call, and they've been taught about the, what I call the rule of three. Okay, say that something comes to mind. You hear a word or see something or whatever that is, and you're not sure about it. Is it me or the Spirit? A common doubt. Is it my mind cooking this stuff up, or am I really hearing something? Okay, so what we've been, what I've been taught about in the past is give it back to God. Okay, God, I hear you, but here it is. I'm, I'm not sure about it. Um, if you hear it and perceive it again, give it up again. 
Just one more time. If you get it a third time, there's a really good chance that God's talking to you. And by the way, just to let you know, this isn't a lack of faith. A lot of people would say, well, if we don't trust God the first time, what's going on? It's really caring enough to get it right. Caring enough about the person or the people that we're going to offer this to to be right and to hear properly. That's why it's kind of a nice little... Plus, it confirms it to us, too, to be honest. The other, another one is the SEC test. Now, that's not the Securities and Exchange Commission, and it's not the Southeastern Conference. It is uh, strengthen, encourage, and console. So when we hear something, we have to look at the word that we're hearing. What are we getting? Does it strengthen, encourage, or console? What if it doesn't? What do we do then? What if it's a hard word or one of correction or condemnation? Now, it could be the proverbial pepperoni pizza, and we should just discard it, discount it, saying, I don't think this is from the Lord, and just put it away. But that's not the only option. It could also be a call to prayer, to intercede for someone's behalf to God to break the chains that he has shown you. That's one of the things I experience as I walk the halls of the high school is, now some of this may be me analyzing, but some of it may be the Holy Spirit too, of saying, oh, this is the thing you're fighting. This is the, the spirit that's got a hold of you. I don't just walk up to the student and go, let me set you free from that. <laughs> I might be set free from my job if I do that too much. Instead, I pray for them. Lord, bless them. Set them free from that. Let them see you in a way that never seen before. It's something along those lines, whatever it is. And those prayers, I believe that God hears those prayers and does act on them. We may never see the answer to them. We may never know where that person is going to go next or what's going to happen. But there's nothing, that's still valuable. It could be, a third option here on the what do we do with a hard thing, that doesn't fit the um, strength and encourage console test, is that some, we need to listen longer. Because sometimes when we're praying for someone, God may give us a backstory so that we can understand where they're coming from. And that when we do speak his words of strengthening, encouraging, and consoling, they come out with more faith and empathy. Okay? So sometimes that's in there. Things to consider. Now, just another practical point. Again, we're on practical stuff here in a moment. Words of prophecy don't require darkened rooms or a quiet spirit. Sometimes we want to put God in a box. God only moves on Holy Spirit night, or God only moves at the conclusion of our service when everything is still and we, and we open it up for that. We need to always be listening because God's always talking. God is always speaking to us. More than that, we need to be asking, seeking and knocking for God's voice. Now, Jesus promised, he told us this in John 10. Read the whole thing, but John 10, 27, paraphrased real quick, says, my sheep will hear my voice. It's a promise that we will hear his voice. And that's part of this whole thing of moving in a sense of prophecy or speaking divine words, or words of divine origin. Now, about now, a good chunk of you are going, 
Uh, that's cool, Dale, but that's not for me. I'll never hear those kinds of words. It's just impossible. I've never done it. I don't know what to do with it. Let me first of all say, I understand that because there's things that I see other people doing that I go, I'll never do that, okay, Um, that I think are kind of outside of my abilities or God's abilities in me. But first of all, let me say this. Don't try or be like or measure yourself against anyone else. How the Spirit moves in you is going to be different than how the Spirit moves in them. Some of the Old Testament prophets spoke in beautiful poetry. Isaiah is fantastic when it comes to that, and some are, so are some of the others. Some of them acted out God's word. Read Hosea, read Jeremiah. How much performance and acting out God's word happens in those, in those particular prophecies? And what was being said through action? Others, some of the what we call the minor prophets, some of the smaller books, often reported images that they saw. I see this, and then this is what was trying to be conveyed. Today, someone may speak by the Spirit in, in a, like a word of someone, and they may do it in complete sentences. But some may only get one word. Can I tell you the truth? Sometimes those one-word ones are more powerful. And so don't discount anything. Some will be drawn to a scripture verse. Others will see images. I've had that happen when I'm praying for folks. I see a candle or a tree or something, and, and it's just that God's directing how to pray for them or whatever, okay? Hard to give you specific examples on that. And some will put the word they receive into action in some way. It happens if we let it. Now, know and understand that as we speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have some burnt cookies. That's what the vineyard has called it forever. You're going to have burnt cookies. You will make mistakes. Keep trying. But I'm going to give you another clue. Sometimes those burnt cookies aren't really burnt. You may offer a word, and that other person may not see it right away. It could be a very true word, and they're just not open to it yet, or the truth isn't evident to, it, to them yet. I've had that happen to me. Not, I've been on the receiving end. Uh, somebody said something to me. There have been times, and they spoke to me, and my immediate reaction was, no, that doesn't seem to fit. No, nah, I don't think so. I'll, thank you for being for being obedient and for sharing what you shared. It's really good, um, but I don't I just don't see it right now. And then a little later, sometimes within a few minutes, sometimes within a week or a day, I'll realize, yeah, that was God. <laughs> I blew it. It wasn't their burnt cookie; it was my burnt cookie. So trust God and go where he leads on the giving side. Same way with on the receiving side, by the way. Now, just another practical point. We don't need to preface by saying, I well, the old-fashioned way, if you go back to the charismatic or the Pentecostal way of doing it, you would get up and say, thus saith the Lord, and then you would go off on whatever it is that God gave you. Our more modern, softer take is, I have a word for you, and that's fine, but we don't always need to say it. We don't always need to preface it. Um, 
Sometimes it should be, can be and should be, nothing wrong with it. But often it should be just incorporated in our prayer. We don't have to be very specific. We can just go, let me, and just keep praying according to what we're hearing. Ask God what to do with it. Sometimes it is speaking. Sometimes it is being very specific with, I'm seeing this and this is specifically for you. Uh, sometimes it is praying out of that, that information. And sometimes it's holding it has a confirmation for others. Now, we see this sometimes in team ministry uh, when we're praying for folks that will both be given the same word and one will hold it and one will speak it and then the other one goes, you know what, I got the same thing. It's not only a confirmation for the team, but it's a confirmation for the one receiving ministry that this is really something God dropped on everybody. And that's always cool when that happens. It's one of those things you don't plan for. Now, I will say another mistake that we tend to make sometimes is that we add our own interpretation to what we hear. It's, it's like, well, God, that wasn't super clear, so I think I'm going to help you out here a little bit and add stuff to it just so that it makes more sense. Now, on one occasion, I'm going to give you an example of one that didn't do that instead of one that did. So on one occasion, there was a time uh, 10, 12 years ago um, where I was in a place where I was really trying to figure out what God wanted next for me in my life. A lot of changes were happening. A lot of stuff was going on. And I really wanted God and begged him, give me the picture. Give me the whole thing. Give me the map. Give me the whole, if, give me the next step. Give me something. And so it's, um, so we were involved in a ministry at that time that, and sharing words was a valuable part of it. Um, and I didn't get, I was hoping, okay, this is the time. We're here, we're set aside, we're listening to God, and no. What I got from a particular person, happened to be a pastor's wife at that time, um, was just a simple word, nothing will be wasted. That's it. I wanted more, and if she would have embellished it, or added something to it, I would have gobbled it up and probably missed what God was trying to say to me. And it's possibly even maybe gone down a wrong path or one that God didn't intend for me to go down. Now, just to tell you how that, that word is fulfilled in the writing and in the preaching and different things, because as you notice, I pull examples all the way back from Christmas of when we were first married back in 1980-whatever. We were married in 80, but the Christmas was 82, 83. I'm not sure what year it was. Nothing will be wasted, even something like that. It all comes forward. It's amazing what God is doing with that. But the point is, is if we embellish the word or try to explain it, it's not that we're, we're trying to be helpful, but I think sometimes we just need to let God speak and be done with it. So just something to be aware of. Um, two other points, and we're about there. The gifts of the Spirit will always operate in line with the Scriptures. Paul, at the beginning of the master class in verse 3, so 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this, Therefore I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It may sound like we have a consoling word for someone. And I, I, I cooked up, I have an example that I've heard not spoken in that context, but sometimes it is a consoling word that isn't scriptural. 
that's okay. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. That's a consoling word. That makes me feel better, but it's totally wrong. (laughs) Jesus told us the only way, I am the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. So if that word was spoken in a moment of, of prophetic or somehow intended to represent what the Spirit was saying, I would have to say, no, it wasn't. That's not, it will always line up with Scripture. So we have to be careful and kind of test things ourselves a little bit. That doesn't mean there's a lot of room in here, okay? There is, there's a ton of space. It's just that we do have guardrails. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, will always grow the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23, if you're not familiar with them, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Has, when the Spirit is moving, when the Spirit is operating, when we're following the, where he's going, when we're speaking the things that a prophecy or whether we're doing any of the other gifts, they will always grow these fruit. If they're not, there's a problem. We have to be watching for that. Pursuing love and desiring spiritual gifts will always grow the fruit in us and in those we serve. So in this case, it's for both of us. Just to kind of put a wrapper paragraph, if you want to, on this before the worship team comes up. Um, This morning, while we're worshiping and afterwards, I invite you to ask, seek, and knock. For God God is the giver of good, timely, and appropriate gifts, which he longs to give us through his Holy Spirit to strengthen, encourage, and console one another, and and whoever else may receive, whoever else he puts in our path that may receive it, whether it's in this place or outside of this space, okay? There will be a moment, there will be some time. Be listening. If the Holy Spirit gives you something, there will be a time after the worship set that the mic will be available to share that. Just keep in mind the guidelines that we put in place and everything will be cool. So Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, we ask this morning for your gifts. We ask and open ourselves up and we ask and we seek and we knock to receive what you have, not so that, you know, we receive a blessing for receiving, Lord, but the greater blessing is to give it away, is to bless others. And Lord, show us that gift of love, grow it in us, but also the gift of hearing your voice and the willingness to speak it. And Lord, we just ask that during this worship time that you will continue to speak and we'll continue to hear. And Lord, just that we praise you and we worship you and we honor you in all things. In the name of Jesus, amen.